Good morning. I'm Marie Allison, the Director of Outreach and Connection here at Faith Covenant Church. I'm adding my welcome to Pastor Nate's. We are so happy that you're joining us for this virtual worship service this morning. Today we're talking about baptism, belonging to God and others. I'm going to start us off in prayer. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you that you are present with us in these uncertain times. I pray that you would give us your supernatural peace. Thank you that you are with each one of us in our own separate settings this morning. And thank you that you have something to say to us today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would take the thoughts from our minds to our hearts and out into our lives that we may live fully for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start off by telling you a story. It was Christmas time, and my children had been begging for a pet. So my husband and I finally agreed that we would get them an animal. How many of you think it was a dog? Raise your hands. Or how many think it was a cat? Raise your hands. Well, some of you will be disappointed, but we decided on a cat. I realized when I began my search that kittens aren't born in the middle of winter. They are born in the spring. But I finally found a woman that had a litter of kittens. So I went to her house, and together we walked down a narrow hallway. She opened the door just enough for both of us to shimmy through. And what I saw was a room full of kittens. They were pretty wild. And I began to wonder... Which one of these kittens is supposed to belong to me? Well, just then, my eye landed in a closet that had the doors open, and in the corner of this closet was a furry little kitten. It was gray, and it had beautiful almond eyes. And I went up to this little kitten, and I said, You belong to me. Well, I took the kitten home. A neighbor watched her for a few days. And then on Christmas morning, the neighbor put the kitten in a box and dropped the box off at our doorstep, rang the doorbell, and ran away. And our children walked out. They picked up the box. They opened the lid and saw the little gray kitten. And together, they said, you belong to us. Well, that's the way it is in the best of circumstances for a family, right? A family receives a child either through adoption or through birth, and the mother looks at the child and she says, you belong to me. And the father looks at the child and says, you belong to me. And then the siblings and the aunts and the uncles and the grandparents and the friends and the neighbors all say, you belong to us. But we also know that belonging's not always easy, right? Our cute little kitten, who we named Misty, ended up to be a problem cat. One of the vets that we took her to said she needed to go to a cat counselor. I guess that really is a thing. Well, and we know families are not always easy. I always say that nuclear families are called nuclear for a reason. There was a missionary couple in the poor region of Appalachia. They had a very small house, and they had a teenage daughter and a young son. The daughter had the main floor bedroom, and the son had a room in the basement. 
Well, when the daughter moved out, he got to have the upstairs room, and he was so happy. But his happiness was very short-lived because there was a troubled teen in town and his parents had been working with her and they knew that her only hope of a productive and meaningful life would be if they took her in and showed her some care and love. Well, they brought her into the home. He gave up his room for her and, and she began to act out. She was not used to unconditional love. She didn't understand things like, we want you to be at home here. You are welcome here. You are part of us. We love you. So she tested them. She destroyed the room. She used foul language. She disobeyed. She um, was not respectful, and she was not grateful at all. It took a long time, but persistent love won out. They said to her, you belong to us. We will take care of you. Well, we, brothers and sisters, are hardwired to belong to God and to belong to others. Even before this coronavirus struck, there was concern in our society over another epidemic. In February of 2019, a news service for physicians said there is an epidemic of loneliness in America. It said it affected 47% of our population. Here are the numbers. 40% of the respondents reported feeling alone. 47% felt left out. 43% felt their relationships were not meaningful. In spite of social media, Gen Z, which is the population that was born after 1995, reported being the loneliest generation. Well, the report goes on, and it says that loneliness is risked to high cholesterol, high body mass index. It's um, connected to high blood pressure, depression, and suicide. And you know, these are not just statistics, right? These represent us, you and me, our neighbors, our relatives, our friends, our work associates. If you think of it this way, if you see 10 people in a day, four of them are experiencing loneliness. So it was a concern before we had COVID-19, and now we are experiencing some isolation because of these very, very important safe-at-home measures. One thing that is encouraging to me in this is our resiliency and our creativity. Our church has started to do Zoom small groups, which are amazing. And I'm hearing other stories. On March 23rd, the news reported this. A Dallas couple planned their wedding, but instead of having the 174 guests they originally planned, they had their ceremony in front of 10. But after the wedding, they went out to their curb, and all those other guests drove by with the windows open, and they were yelling and shouting their congratulations and honking their horns. A 12-year-old girl in Minnesota had a drive-by birthday party, Her father was out there with gloved hands handing the cookie goodie bags in through the windows of the car while the little girl stood on the lawn and waved at her friends. 
in Rhode Island, a 92-year-old um, was having his birthday, and his family abandoned the birthday bash for a parade with even a float that had a lot of music on it. He was brought to tears with the wonderful surprise. Well, we're creating community and belonging as best we can, right? But is there something more? Is there something that is overlooked, that is right within our reach? Well, what is the church's answer to this epidemic of loneliness? Please open your Bibles with me to Acts 2, 36 through 40. We'll be referencing it this morning. It was the passage that was read for you earlier in our service. Well, we're dropping in at the tail end of a story. So let me give you a little context to what we're reading. This book of the Bible was written by Luke. Luke was a physician and a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. He also recorded the stories in the book of Luke. He loved research, and he loved facts, and he considered it very, very important to leave an orderly record of the life of Christ in the early Christian church. And if you're looking for some dramatic Bible reading to do while you are safe at home, I hope that you'll get a modern-day translation of the Bible, not a King James Version, and read through the look book of Luke and Acts. It's only 70 pages and it w- is a dramatic story. So where is this Bible passage on the Christian timeline? Well, Jesus has already been crucified on the cross. He rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven and he told his disciples before he ascended to go and wait in Jerusalem. He told them that the Holy Spirit would come to them His spirit would come and live inside of them. So the disciples went to Jerusalem just as Christ had told them. Well, there was a large festival going on in the city. You see, over the centuries, the Jews had been scattered throughout the area. They spoke a lot of different languages, so this was a very diverse crowd that gathered that day. Well, when the Holy Spirit came... The way they knew the Holy Spirit had come was that these 120 followers of Christ began to speak in languages that they had not known before. They began to speak in the languages of this crowd. They declared the wonders of God to this crowd. And verse 2.12 says that the crowd was amazed and perplexed, and they asked one another, What does this mean? Well, Peter, one of Christ's disciples, addressed the gathered crowd. He knew that they were Jews, and so he knew that they were familiar with the teaching of the prophets that foretold that there was a Messiah that was going to come. So he began to highlight just one of those teachings of the prophets. And he began to say, Jesus is that Messiah who you looked forward to. Well, after he shared this in Acts 2.37, we see that it says that the people that heard this were cut to the heart. What they heard about Jesus being the Savior touched them deeply. Well, I was in the fourth grade when I first heard and was touched by the story of Jesus. 
Later on in high school, the story came to me with a new freshness and a new power. But in the fourth grade Sunday school room, I learned that God created me and he loved me. I also learned that the wrong things I did, like lying and stealing and eating my sister's candy without permission, were sins. And they weren't just sins against my family. They were sins against God. And that just like a loving parent has consequences for bad behavior, God has consequences for sin. But my Sunday school teacher told me that because God loved me. He didn't want me to suffer the consequences of sin. And so he came to earth in human form, and he died on the cross for my sins. That was Jesus. He paid the penalty for my wrong. He took my punishment. I don't know if that fourth grade Sunday school teacher told me that the consequences of sin is spiritual death, but I knew even at that time, that my sin was serious. I learned that to be made right with God, I needed to repent from sin. I needed to to turn away from it and to be sorry enough to try to not do it again. Well, that might sound a lot for a little child to understand, but Jesus says something amazing about that. He says... In Matthew eleven twenty five, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. And then in Matthew eighteen three, he says to adults, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, everything I had been hearing as a little girl clicked for me one Saturday morning. I was doing my chores, putting my toys and my clothes away, and I must have been thinking about that Sunday school lesson because I asked my sister, how do you become a Christian? And she told me I just needed to pray a very personal prayer, acknowledging what Jesus did on the cross and asking him to come into my life as my Lord and Savior. Well, I knelt beside the side of my bed that morning and prayed that heartfelt prayer. Well, the question I asked my sister that Saturday morning is very much like the one the crowd asks Peter in Acts 2, 37. After they heard Peter's message, they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? In other words, they were asking In light of what we've heard about Jesus, how should we respond? And I'd like you to ask yourself that question this morning. In light of what I know about Jesus Christ, how will I respond? Am I willing to come to Christ with the faith of a child? Well, Peter didn't leave his listeners dangling when they asked that question. He gave them clear and simple guidance. And in verse 38, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
So how do we follow Peter's directive? And how does it help cure this epidemic of loneliness that we discussed earlier? Well, first, we repent. We admit our sins to God and tell him with his strength, we desire to turn our back on all the wrong in our lives. And second, we acknowledge that Christ's death on the cross paid the penalty for our wrongs. And we receive this wonderful forgiveness that Christ offers us. And third, we invite Christ to be the leader of our lives. We ask him to take control. We put him in the driver's seat. We follow his lead. We give him first priority. Well, we do this by saying a simple prayer. And we're going to put it up on the screen. And if it expresses the desire of your heart, I hope that you'll pray it along with me. I'm going to say it very slowly. Dear God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I have done. I turn away from them now. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross to take the penalty for my sins. Thank you that through Jesus I'm forgiven and made clean and new. Please come into my life. I give my life over to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer along with me this morning, then some amazing things have happened in your life. I'm just going to highlight two of them. One, you are fully forgiven. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Second, you are a child of God. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to all those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. God has said to you this morning, you are mine. And you have said to God, I am yours. But that is not all. There's more. You are not an only child. You have a lot of brothers and sisters all over the world. They speak all different languages. Together, we make up the family of God. This is what we call church with a capital C. The church meets in a lot of different locations all over the globe. And Faith Covenant Church is one small part of the greater church of Jesus Christ. When you accept God's love, his grace, and his forgiveness, you enter the family of God. And you know what? The family wants to throw you a welcome party. It's called baptism. In the passage that we're reading this morning, Peter tells us that we are to be baptized. Well, baptism was important to Jesus, right? It bookended his ministry. He started off his public ministry being baptized. And the last thing he said before he ascended to heaven was he told his disciples to go and baptize others. Baptism is important to Jesus, So what is baptism? Well, baptism, along with communion, are sacraments. 
A sacrament is an action commanded by Jesus that uses an ordinary substance in a sacred way. Just like a smile, a handshake, an arm around the shoulder, a gift, a meal are all symbols of friendship, a sacrament is a symbol of God's grace. In baptism and communion, God takes ordinary elements and he uses them. These are ordinary elements like water and bread and wine. And he uses them to teach us spiritual realities. Though Christian denominations differ in the particulars about communion and about baptism, every Christian religion honors them in their worship service. It's important for you to know four things that we believe here at Faith Covenant Church in regards to baptism. Well, first, nothing magical happens to the water. The water has a special meaning and becomes sacred only because we are using it the way Christ commanded us to use it for his purposes. Two, every service of baptism is a celebration of the forgiveness of sins. We do not receive cleansing or forgiveness of sins at the moment we are baptized, but baptism signifies that God has already forgiven our sins through faith in Christ and what he has done when it, with his death and his resurrection. Thir- three, baptism signifies our welcome into the family of God. Every service of baptism is a welcome party. And it's a time for great rejoicing. Four, we celebrate communion frequently, but we only have to be baptized one time. If you were baptized as an infant, when you accept Christ by praying that prayer of salvation that we prayed a few minutes ago, then your earlier baptism has come to fruition. You can affirm an earlier baptism if you would like, Perhaps you were baptized as an infant, but you didn't understand the gospel message that you just heard a few minutes ago. Then you would like to affirm your baptism with your church family. Or perhaps you walked with the Lord for a while, but then you walked away from the Lord. It's appropriate for you to affirm your baptism with your church family. Well, finally, if you prayed to ask Christ to come into your life this morning, Or if you would like to be baptized or affirm a previous baptism, we hope that you'll let us know. On the front page of our website, we have a Connect With Us card. And you can click on there and let us know what you're thinking, what your thoughts are in regards to your walk with the Lord and baptism. Once these concerns of the COVID-19 virus are over, we really want to have a baptism celebration where we affirm previous baptisms and we baptize you if you haven't ever been baptized before. And we want you to be a part of that. Well, in conclusion, dear friends, I want to remind you today that God says to you, you belong to me. And in response, you have this wonderful opportunity to tell God back, Lord, I belong to you. 
And the church family says to you, you belong to us. We belong to each other. We take care of each other.